بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد ويان سورة الطور سورة نمبر 52 and آية نمبر 13 أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يوم يدعون إلى نار جهنم دعا هذه النار التي كنتم بها تكذبون سورة الطور describes the heavenly uh, blessings Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places in on earth, also in the heavens, where the nur of Allah descends and the recipients become blessed because the nur of Allah descends upon those things. So continuing with the discussion of the Day of Judgment, where those who are criminals will be tried and they'll be judged and as the verdict is given, the day when they will be pushed and shoved into the fire of Jahannam and it will be a humiliating pushing and shoving that they will be given no respect whatsoever as they did not respect Allah and his ayat in this world so they will be punished in the same way in the same kind of disdain and you know, uh, resentment, the kind that they had in their hearts against Allah and His ayat. Mm. This is the fire that you used to deny. Yeah, That you denied this fire and now you are facing the fire in this very distasteful way where there is no honor there's no dignity left for you and in you. Do you think this is now magic that he used to say to the prophets that you are magicians and you practice this kind of occult thing by which you mesmerize people and so on. So now there's a rhetorical question out of pure sarcasm, is this now the magic? Or is it that you're not seeing now the truth? Here the truth has become apparent, manifested, and uh, you can now taste the magic if you think it is magic. Mm. This is very uh, derisive, as I said, sarcastic manner, that the angels will be shouting at them and, you know, sending them greetings of a different kind. It's loha. Fasbiru uh, awla tusbiru sawaun alaykum innama tuzzawna ma kuntum ta'amaloon. In the idea of the Nabi being a nadir and a bashir, that the nadir 
one who warns and Bashir, one who gives glad tidings. In the context of the duty of a Nabi, uh, there is warning. So these are ayat that are warning human beings, especially those who are listening to the Quran, that if you deride this message and if you turn away from this message, you have a very doomful punishment and fate. Now, this is a time you have to face up to it and see that this is absolutely true. So, burn in there, fasbiru awla tasbiru. He may be patient or he may not be patient. doesn't matter now, it's too late. Sawaun alaikum. All of this is equal to all of you. Whether you do this or you do that, the time for action has expired. The time for compensation and punishment has begun. Indeed, you are going to be rewarded or compensated for whatever it is you did or what you used to do. Meaning that the punishment fits the crime and you will see on the Day of Judgment that your denial, which is the original crime and sin, denial, kufr, is the sin that makes you ineligible for Jannah. Since you lived with and in kufr and rejection, denial your whole lives, now unfortunately you will have to pay for that sin, which is also a crime in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are being now given back your action. This is your own action. It has now come back to haunt you, and this is your plight, unfortunately, on the day of judgment. So this is how we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that first and foremost, he manifests his signs in the cosmos, in the universe. Okay, He'll bring down his nur onto mountains, and then uh, you have now that documentation in the heavens of Kitab Mastur. And he'll have he'll show his power of creativity in the sea, in the ocean, in other forms of creation. And those now evidences and proofs of his ability and his might and power uh, is the same ability that he has to punish. Um, so if he has the ability to create the heavens and the earth and everything else in it and beyond it, then he has the same ability to punish people. Okay, so if you say that he is very generous, powerful, because he does this, this, and that, so what Iman requires you to do is now think about it. So if he's that powerful, then he will have power over me also. So he can do with me whatever, uh, unfortunately, I deserve. So that's the way you're going to combine the ayat of creation and power uh, with the ayat of authority. Uh, so, yeah. so that's how you're going to combine the two sets of ayat. So that is now a consistent theme. It's a very logical theme yeah, that the uh, superpower that has the ability to do this also has the ability to do this. It's the same power and it's the same being. So this is a warning for people who maybe marvel at Allah's creation when they're 
traveling the earth or when they're doing other things, they see Allah's beauty and they see Allah's power in one area, but they forget Allah's power in another area. You know, so that you have to make the connection that Allah is all capable. He's capable there and he's capable here. So just as he's capable of creating so much, he's capable of creating Jahannam. There's no difference in the, the ability, there's no difference in the power. The question is just niya or irada or focus, whichever word you want to use. You know? At the same time, the one who has this ability to punish has the ability to reward also. So now this punishment is juxtaposed with the reward. Hence the next set of ayat. Inna al-muttaqeen. So just as Allah deprives the people of the fire from good and from, uh, you know, bounties and bliss, Allah will honor the people in Jannah and the people who have taqwa uh, with all sorts of wonderful delights and pleasures and happiness and joy. Yes, indeed, those who have taqwa, those who are God-fearing and those who protect themselves, from the fire through their actions and the iman, all of those translations may fit. They are in orchards and groves and gardens, lush orchards. They're in greenery everywhere. So they have a great setting, a very pleasant environment around them. And they have delight and they have joy and they have this, this bliss, naim that they will now experience just so the setting will be obviously paradise and so on. What will they do? Fakihina bima atahum rabbuhum. They will enjoy the fruits, yeah. right? And they'll be in a very pleasant mood. Fakihin, 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 a state of pure happiness and joy. So obviously everybody in this world, especially those who are looking for freedom, they want to pursue happiness. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the believers and those who have taqwa, you'll have eternal happiness. So you're welcome to procure and you know look for pure eternal happiness also. But that eternal happiness doesn't exist here in this world. This world is not capable of containing that amount of happiness. It will, it will collapse within itself if you have that kind of joy here in this world. It's not able to sustain that level of intense happiness and bliss and joy. So you have to wait for a place uh, where the surroundings and the environment is conducive to that level of uh, now bliss and so on. You can't have that kind of bliss. You'll die if you had that bliss here. So for that, you have to prepare yourselves with taqwa. That is not something that, uh, you know, Jannah is a boring place and you have nothing to do. They'll be very happy. State of uh, absolute bliss. With whatever their Lord has given them, Meaning in Jannah, so it will be their Lord who gives them everything. And this is because their Lord will protect them from the punishment of the fire 
and so on. So Allah's fadl here comes into play, although there is no cause and effect. The cause is obviously Iman, as we will see in a minute, and so on. And the effect will be Jannah through Allah's fadl. Kulu ashrabu hani bima kuntum so uh, eat and drink with delight, honey, and with pleasure and delight and so on. Not because there's a need to eat in Jannah. In Jannah, you will not be hungry. You will eat simply for enjoyment and for pleasure and just to taste different types of fruits and different types of food and so on. Honey, and with felicity, tahniya. As we say, uh, with a sense of celebration. Okay, so in Jannah, there, there's going to be eternal, permanent celebration, bliss, happiness, and all of that. So now, this is beyond us because we can't relate to eternity. Okay, we say you can't have too much of a good time, right? you can't have too much of a good thing, they say, in this world because this world is limited. The imagination won't go any further than time and space. So this is bil ghayb. Even if you want to believe in Jannah, it has to be bil ghayb. Yeah, you get, you know, what you call it, a, you know, aroma of what Jannah may be. Yeah, pleasant smell, pleasant sensation. Through the dynamic words of the Quran, there's no doubt. But the actual reality is what the Prophet ﷺ said. Narrating a hadith the Qudsi, Mala Ainun Rat, Wala Udunun Samiat, Wala Khatar, Wala Khalbi Bashar. The thought of the pleasures of Jannah will never occur on a heart. No heart is able to perceive or conceive the joy and the pleasure of Jannah. It's not possible. What you get is an introduction. You got a trailer. <laughs> So the words of the Quran, they're just trailers. It's not, the, it's not the thing, the real thing is beyond perception, beyond conception in this world. Yeah, so that's what you look forward to. So if you try to draw an analogy of, uh, you know, joy and happiness in this world, and you, you want to, you know, make that connection to the other world, it doesn't work. It's bil ghayb. We have to believe in the ghayb. This is it, we believe. When, inshallah, through Allah's father, it happens, it happens. Yeah. But there's no way to connect it with your sense perception, nor your imagination. Yeah. Sense perception finishes once you are out of this world. You won't get to know, feel, or taste Jannah in this world. And then, obviously, the imagination. There's no concept that brings you close to what the actual pleasure of Jannah is. So it's bil ghayb. You have to believe in the ghayb. Even when you're talking about Jannah, you're still believing in the ghayb. <laughs> right? So that's something that uh, uh, people appreciate if you're close to uh, the source of wahi and so on. So here Allah is saying to us, bil ghayb and min al ghayb, that will eat and drink in pure celebration, in pure delight and felicity. 
نعم because of what you did. So just as the people of Jahannam are punished for what they did, likewise the people of Jannah are also rewarded for what they did. The only difference is they are allowed entry into Jannah through Allah's Rahmah. Entry into Jannah is not based on your Amal. The prerequisite, obviously, is Iman. But you're allowed to enter Jannah through Allah's Fadl, not because of your action. In Jannah, the rewards are based on your action. So there's a difference there. Yeah. So you mustn't assume that your actions will lead you to Jannah. They're, they're good signs. They're you know, landmarks. Who allows you to enter Jannah? Allah. Right? Yeah. So only Allah knows uh, who is going to Jannah, who is not. So that's why you ask for Allah's Fadl. You ask for Allah's Rahmah. But you do the good deeds because the deeds will give you your reward. If you have few deeds, your reward will no be no will be nowhere near the reward of the muttaqin. The people who have taqwa, so your your grade uh, and the, the ranking in Jannah is based on your amal. Entry into Jannah is based on Allah's fadl. Huh? Yeah, so you mustn't knock anybody and say he'll never go to Jannah. You can't say that. How do you know you're going to Jannah? <laughs> There's no guarantee because you're a nice person, you'll get into Jannah. That is up to Allah. When Allah allows you to enter Jannah, then you see your grading ranking according to your action. The more action, good deeds, hasanat you have, the more your goodies and the delights you have in Jannah. And the less you have, the less you have, as you will see just now. In the next couple of ayat, inshallah. So the reward is because of what you did. Muttaqeen ala sururin masuf and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing the ambience now in Jannah. That they will be leaning against, uh, you know, sofas and what he calls here setters. Couches that will be arranged in a very unique arrangement that you have, obviously, coordination. Okay, the chair must be here, the sofa must be here, the carpet must be here. So it's pleasant to the eye too. If it's haphazard and all over the place and it's untidy, it's not very pleasant to look at. And when it's not pleasant to look at, you don't want to sit in that room. Hopefully. <laughs> if you're okay with it, then that's on you. That just means you're an idiot, basically. You need to sit in a place where it's organized and it's perfect and so on. So Jannah is not haphazard. So this is why they're the level of detail Allah gives to the setting, to the ambience, that everything's in place in its position and so on. That's how Muslims... Uh, were always there. Uh, we, we showed Europe what luxury actually is. Huh? Europe didn't know luxury until they came to touch with the Ottomans, basically. Yeah. What is the Ottoman? What, what's an Ottoman? It's a piece of furniture that was used for luxury. Huh? They never had the word because they didn't have it. 
You understand? Where did we get it from? From the description of Jannah. We got everything that is luxurious in this dunya because of the description we have in Jannah. The different types of fruits, uh, different type of clothing, different type of, uh, what do you call it, a jewelry, different type of furniture, the colors. They all come from the description of Jannah and that's how Muslim civilization became the best. And it still is the best, alhamdulillah. So you see that in our architecture, you see that in our cuisine, you see that in our dress, you see that in our mannerisms and our civilizational value. It is based on the description that Allah gives us in Jannah. That's how we thought, and that's how we produced, and that's how we lived, mashallah. So when you read this ayah, that they are leaning against the sofas that are masfufa, arranged properly in order and in sync, and nothing is out of place because it is Jannah, right? That is one thing, that you'll have the setting, the ambiance, the furniture, the decor. Uh, yeah. And the, the more you know about the decor of Jannah, the, the, the more you visualize it here. So the use of color uh, in our calligraphy, the use of color in the Quran. When you see the Quran manuscripts, mashallah, they're spectacular. Spectacular in the way they use color and then the, 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 the way they honor the Quran with this beautiful, you know, beyond our imagination, calligraphy, and then the way they built their houses and the way they, they built the intricate designs on the doors and uh, all the mosaic and so on. Attention to detail. Now, you don't spend 90% of your life doing that because you're supposed to spend 90% of your life in Ibadah. Um, Meaning it's there, meaning it's low-hanging fruit for the Muslim, this kind of creativity, imagination, low-hanging fruit. If we want it, it's there. And some of us did use it and did make, you know, cities out of these descriptions, mashallah. And we will get them married okay, to Hur. Beautiful women with big eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning you'll have company also. You can't have a, mashallah, beautiful, beautiful house made of pearls mm, without company. So Allah says, we'll give you company also. But the company will be pure. And the company will be zawajnahum. They won't be girlfriends or mistresses. What will they be? They'll be honored through marriage. Yeah, so there, through the institution of marriage, you'll have companionship, which is honorable, and uh, which is something that uh, the institution of marriage carries on in Jannah and so on with uh, wonderful, beautiful women who are described this way and other ways uh, throughout the Quran. And so on. So we see now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, unique ability and eternal ability to create the way He wants to manifest itself in Jahannam through the punishment. Allah save us all from there and manifest itself in Jannah. So one is pleasant and the other is horrible. And so you have both sides of Allah's names, those names that 
uh, create punishment and those names that create pure delight. Uh, so this is Allah's now uh, ability. Yeah, so this is Allah's Khudra. And that is the point of the surah that you bring about in front of you that Allah has immense eternal power and he creates the way he wants to. But there is cause and effect for the human being who has volition. If you use your volition, your ikhtiya this way, Allah creates this way. And if you use it this way, then Allah creates this way. It is up to you how you use this. And the, 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 the eternal effects of your choice here are now part of the justice system we have uh, over there. Moving away sometimes from Allah's ability, we have a concept and aqidah of Allah's fadl, which um, some people, you know, objected to in the past. The Mu'tazili group uh, did not appreciate Allah's fadl. They believe in Allah's other justice only. So the Quran speaks of another level of qudra, Allah's power. That is based on Allah's fadl. That not everything is going to be graded according to a justice system where one plus one equals two. There's another nidam there after justice is served, which is called Allah's fadl. How does that work? It works this way. This is another system here. A system above the system of justice. Allah subhanahu wa will not commit any kind of injustice against any human being. Everything that a human being deserves by justice, the human being will, will receive. No injustice. But those who believe and their progeny, their offspring, their children follow them with Iman. The condition here is Iman. It's a prerequisite. And they, we will not take away anything from their actions, from their reward, and so on. So there are two scenarios here. One uh, Haqna. Join their, their, their progeny with them. So there will be a, a group of people who are people who are very pious and they have a very high rank in Jannah. Yeah. And they also have children. The children are also in Jannah. So th this is now something that's happening in Jannah. Post-entry into Jannah, the parents will be at a much higher level uh, of ranking in Jannah, they'll be far, far ahead of their children, but their children will join them in Jannah because of Iman, because of their faith in Allah and the Rasul Sallallahu But their grade and their rank will be much lower than the parents. So obviously the parents will say, I want to be with my kids. We will connect their progeny to them and with them, meaning they'll be allowed to live with their parents in that higher rank. From Allah's fadl, 
Now you see the difference? Yeah. Now, the, the uh, children don't deserve that rank, but because their parents are up there, then they will be upgraded. Upgraded. You can be upgraded if you have a ticket. <laughs> if you don't have a ticket, you can't be upgraded. So if you're in Jannah, you can be upgraded. But that's above and beyond the justice system. Right? This is Allah's fadl, which is what the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah believe in because of ayat like this. Yeah. Meaning Allah will reward the parents for being pious by upgrading their children. So it's an extra reward for the pious parents. You know that? Yeah. Now this uh, Allah's supreme qudra, Allah's supreme, eternal, absolute power and ability, he has the prerogative to do this. And obviously, nobody will question that if you upgrade it in Jannah. You're not going to sit there and say, well, where's justice? <laughs> it won't enter your mind, inshallah. So that's the idea. So that's one understanding of uh, that. That means that we will not decrease any of the reward of the parents if we connect their children with them. That's one reading. The other reading is uh, the other way. That the children will have a higher rank than their parents. And Allah will join the parents with the rank of the children. Again, out of his followers. It's working both ways. One is this way, one is the other way. And this is also possible. And most likely, this is the more probable interpretation that we find in hadith. Some riwayahs speak of the children raising the ranks of Jannah. There's a hadith. Uh, the, so people in Jannah will go into Jannah initially and they, they will have so much reward. And they will ask Allah, why do we have so much reward? Because then they, they will know which good deed is uh, translated in which reward. They'll know the currency exchange of Hasanat in Jannah. You'll know. You don't need a chart. You don't need a computer. You'll just know this reward is for this deed. Right? So every deed has a reward, and it's uh, there, chartered. So these people say, I don't deserve all this. I, I never did anything that warrants this kind of reward. He said, no, you didn't do anything, but your children make dua for you. The children did good deeds, and their good deeds are now added onto your good deeds, so now you are with them. Right? So it works both ways. Always good to make dua for your parents. You know? And so on, so they can be hopefully with you or you can be with them, either way. So this is now the system of fadl, yeah, meaning that there is supreme justice on the day of judgment. Post-justice, when you're in Jannah, there is Allah's immense fadl, and it continues and continues and continues. Now, this is now Allah gives more nur. As the Prophet was asked to make dua, Allah increased me in knowledge. So that is through Allah's fadl. Yeah, so sometimes you read something and you understand it. Sometimes you read something and you understand much more than you're reading. 
That is through taqwa and through dua and through dhikr. It is not through your intellectual ability. Intellectual ability is your justice. Baraka in knowledge, Allah's father. So the mashayikh, when they make dua for the students, they will say, may Allah give you baraka. And the student's sitting there, what the heck, he made dua for baraka, what knowledge. So no, you fool. You don't understand how the system works. Your intellectual ability gives you this much. Baraka, opens avenues and oceans of knowledge. Right? So be careful. Uraman, the awliya of Allah, say something. Don't knock them. They look with the nur of Allah. Yeah, so you can't use your akhad all the time. Oh, he said this. I didn't want that. I wanted this. Yeah, people come and say, what's the interpretation of my dream? I say, it's good. Well, the heck, I can say it's good. No, you fool. We're not interpreting the dream so that the dream is not limited to your interpretation. The dream is kept broad. And there's more baraka, nur, and faida, and benefit in your dreams. If you contain it in your interpretation, then that's it. There's no room for increase. Right? Yeah, so people get excited. They see beautiful dreams. The guy asked them for the interpreter. He said, it's good. Oh, yes. So be careful. <laughs> if I say what anyone else says is bad, you're done. Right? Yeah. So this adab. This, this adab you get from sohba. You don't get from reading books. You get from sohba. You, you, you get these tidbits uh, from the company of people. And Allah give us all nur and barakah. Every man is now uh, tied to whatever he earns. Rahim. He's a pawn, uh, a pledge, you can always say that he is tied to his action, but there is also Allah's fadl, that you may seek Allah's fadl in all things, inshallah. And then we will provide them with honor, more means of pleasure and delight, of fruits and meat. So here's one place where the Quran does discuss food other than fruit, mm. meaning there will be meat, mimmaishtahun of the type that you desire. What type of meat? Whatever comes to mind. Gourmet meat, steak, whatever comes to mind. Uh, there's no classification of what kind of meat. There is obviously some rivayat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will feed the people of Jannah fish as they enter. Huh? That, that's lahman tariyan, that's fresh meat, according to the Quran. This is just meat. Um, so anyway, so whatever you want to enjoy in terms of your appetite, you know, fulfilling your passion for eating, and obviously human beings, like all animals, love eating. So you will not be deprived of the things you love to eat and so on. So if you love fruit, you'll get fruit. If you love something else, you get whatever it is you want. And so it's up to you and your imagination. 
uh, what Allah feeds you, but it will be Allah being your host. Allah will entertain you. This out of His fadl, out of His being your rabb, your through the process of rububiya, Allah will feed you in Jannah. But it will be what you call know, gourmet service. He won't need a cook. Well, sometimes the cook messes up, and then you you know take the cook to task and you fire the cook and get another one and the second one you hire is worse than the first one and the cycle goes on this won't happen in jannah whatever you want it will be instantaneously provided for you so that's number one now that's food the second obviously is drink uh, drink will be provided for those mashallah uh, who stay away from drinking the wrong thing in this dunya Allah will honor them by allowing them to drink that same thing, but with respect, honor, and dignity. Hmm? So there will be rounds that they will exchange with each other. Okay? Drinking, unfortunately, is a social practice. People enjoy social drinking. So here this ayah says, They will exchange cups and mugs with each other exchanging the drink cups so it's a social thing that there will be pleasure in social drinking in jannah that is wine that we know as we discussed in surah muhammad the four types of rivers and yeah and the wine that described there so there'll be different types of wine that allah will allow uh, people to drink, but the setting is Jannah. The setting is not this dunya. So if the setting is right, wine now becomes a bliss, not a sin. Right? But because the setting is wrong, the wine now is a sin. If you drink it, it is harmful for you in this world and also in the other world and so on. La lahun fiha. Okay, there's no, what do you call it, babbling. Uh, when you drink in this world and you get drunk, you don't know what the heck you're saying. You don't know what you're saying. Never mind other people. You don't know what you're saying. You, you have a tongue, and you have a mouth, and you use it. There's no sequence to the words. There's no rationality behind it. You're, you're babbling. Uh, nonsense. So there Allah says that the, the wine of Jannah will not make you do this. This will keep you cohesive and very logical and very smart and very intellectual. It will enhance your intellect, yeah, even though there will be no inhibition either. So there you'll have joy and you'll be able to drink the delicious wine. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is serving you. So there's no element of intoxication there. And also there's no sin. Ta'theem is a very useful word for usul, usul al-fiqh. One of the reasons why wine is prohibited here is not because it's just harmful physically, but because it creates sin. That ta'theem, there's no sin. Uh, meaning that if you drink the wine of Jannah, you will never think of committing a sin. Whereas if you drink wine here in this dunya, the first thing that comes to you is sin. That's the first thing you think of. Just sin after sin after sin. 
right? Yeah, so that's why the word ta'theem is very intriguing. Uh, we can uh, use this, we do, we use this in our surah fiqh uh, presentations all the time. But you see that uh, the wine is uh, now something that uh, should be controlled. And since uh, you remove all inhibitions when you drink this kind of wine and uh, your intellect goes down the drain, literally at least temporarily, um, and you're not able to contain yourself. But the wine in Jannah will enhance your abilities and it will enhance your knowledge, it will enhance your perception, and it will enhance everything in you. So that is now uh, invigorating. And also wonderful refreshment, which you will drink for pleasure. And it will not uh, make you think of a sin. So now you have this, you have all the great settings, you have the greenery around you, they have the trees, you have the water, uh, you have the beautiful furniture, you have beautiful homes, and you have that beautiful companionship, and you have great food. Mm-hmm. One more thing left. There's one pleasure left. Allah says, we'll give you that too. What is that? The joy of having young children run around. Have you seen young children when they're not in their terrible twos, but (laughs) not when they're in a sabotage mood, but when they're in a playful, joyful mood, it is bliss just to see young children run around you. You have to enjoy it as bliss. That's what this ayah say. Yeah. Yeah. And Ghilman, uh, servants, young boys will be roaming around them out of pure bliss and entertainment and joy and excitement. And so they're playful, right? Playful young children will be there as, you know, what do you call it? A pleasure of your eyes, for your eyes, and so on. So, yeah. That's why you should take pride in raising children and make sure they're happy. They have to be happy for you to enjoy them. If your children are miserable and angry all the time, you can't enjoy them. This I say you have to enjoy them, but you have to create the ambience where they're actually playful and they enjoy a ball and so on. So we get everything from Jannah. The way we raise our families, is uh, everything's there in Jannah. It's, it's, it's a reflection. The Sharia is going to be a reflection of the Ahkam of Jannah. Okay, this from Abu Yusuf. Khali Abu Yusuf mentions this. Not explicitly, but implicitly. Anyway, so you see now, this is the key to make sure that you don't get into nonsical, moronic ideas of becoming pedophiles. So the young boys are there. You're opening the door for pedophilia. You say, no, you idiot. That doesn't happen. There's no sexual connotation here. We're not that depraved that we find sexual pleasure from young boys. We don't do that. So this, this part of the ayah uh, gives us the hukum. Then. Um, what is that? As if they are preserved and protected pearls. 
They're not pierced. Maknun, preserved and protected. Yeah, that uh, even though they're there, they're good to look at and enjoy their company. Uh, but there's, there, there's no physical pleasure uh, for that sense of touch. Uh, so untouched, almost. And from a distance, you can enjoy them. Yeah, some people have objections to this type of pleasure in gender. Uh, even Muslims who read this ayah sometimes because they're depraved and they're just perverts. They say, ah, see, in the Quran is saying this is okay. It's not okay. It is haram, basically. And the reason is that the, the children who are, these are not your children, by the way. These are just children who are like pearls, as you will see in other ayat, we'll talk about this later in Surah Wakhir, and also Surah Dahar, Surah Insan, and the 29th Jews also. Yeah, so we see that this is now the final thing, that you have a whole family now. So you have a wife, you have food, you have entertainment, you have furniture, you have scenery, you have the topography, you have the geography, you have the climate, and you have these young, young pearl-like boys uh, serving you, khilma, and they'll be serving you. Oh, yeah. So this is the way you must see, construct the image of Jannah as Allah's father. So this group of people, they're slightly different from the first group of people that uh, are mentioned. They're, they're kind of a rank higher than them. And then obviously there will be a lot of conversation. You'll not be lonely in Jannah. You, you can't be lonely. Jannah is not a place for loners. You'll have to be social in Jannah. Um, you'll have to have dialogue with each other. You have to talk to each other about this, this and that, and whatever it is. Not socializing. That's why we say that Ashabul Jannah, companions of Jannah, Meaning there's a whole community, it's a whole ummah, and you'll be conversing with everybody uh, that you know and everybody that you don't know uh, in this world. So here this ayah now speaks about a social construct that some of them will face each other, asking each other questions and having dialogues, having conversations. And, now we see that in our previous life in the Jannah, we used to behave this way, that we were concerned about our families, about their welfare, about their happiness, about their salvation. And this is the reason why we're here, because we actually cared for their welfare and their prosperity. And so, and we did something about it. It was just, it wasn't just mental. I care for my kids and just dump them somewhere and you neglect them. So these people will now come almost in onto a social podium, and they will speak of their dealings in their families. Now, the family affairs are usually private, but this will now become public. So as an added honor to the people of Jannah, they will be allowed, able to speak of their good deeds. Where you're not allowed to speak of your good deeds here because that is now showing off. That's the Riyah. 
that's haram. You can't do that. You can't go into the public. Everybody else. You, did you know that I, I do this with my kids? I do this. And my, everybody does it now on Facebook and Instagram. It's a kind of perverted world kind of view at the moment. But most Muslims, they're usually very private about their private affairs, which they should be. So you don't expose your good deeds to everybody. You keep them a secret. You don't tell anybody if you fasted and nothing will fast. You don't tell anybody if you do tahajjud. You don't tell anybody if you've done, you know, a sadaqah. Uh, you keep it to yourselves. The other actions that need to be public, they have to be public like salat. Hmm? Uh, Som at least in one way is public. Uh, you mustn't be seen eating in public. And zakat obviously has to be public. The person who receives the zakat must know that he's, you know, getting something from someone. Hajj. It's all public. Right? Yeah. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through his fadl, he will allow people in Jannah to discuss their good deeds as an added honor that now the, the element of riya and showing off has gone. Now you've made it, alhamdulillah, into Jannah. Now you may talk about the good things that uh, you did. That we were now concerned and uh, we wanted them to be happy, etc. And so on. Allah showered his fadl and blessed us and honored us with more delights. And he protected us from the fire of the you know, very poisonous wind and the poisonous fire and the blowing fire, Samum. Samum is a wind that has fire in it and it's also poisonous. And from the word Sam and Sum and so on. Um, so Allah saved us from the pollutants uh, of the fire as we saved ourselves from the pollutants of Kufr. And that's why the word Samum now will coincide with that kind of idea, inshallah. Yeah. Indeed, we used to indeed call upon him before. Nadu'uhu, we used to make dua. We used to worship him, we used to honor him, call upon him, ask him and, you know, petition and supplicate and all of that. We were humble uh, with Allah in the world. And this humbleness is now the reason why we are being honored. Had we been arrogant in the world with the way we treat people, or the way we talk to people would call just in general, then Allah would not have honored us here in Jannah. Yeah. Indeed, he, he is the one who is the very kind, the very generous, and the one who is the most compassionate, the one who has raham beyond uh, imagination and so on. So this is now, this one, that the bar and bir, obviously, they have similar, if not the same etymology, the origin of the, the ba and the ra, the, uh, exactly the same. So, Bar is the one who gives you tawfiq to do bir. Right? Bar is the one who is so kind uh, that he allows you the tawfiq 
to do good deeds. That is bar. So in that sense, if you say compassionate, and whatever the word that comes to your mind, inshallah. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, so now it's, it's backwards. Alhamdulillah, I did this and I got to Jannah. No. Allah is bar. He gives you tawfiq out of his generosity to do the good deed. And as he allows you to do the good deed, he rewards you too for the good deed he allowed you to do in the first place. In Zan. So the theology is backwards. <laughs> yeah, the one who's a show-off, he gets it wrong all the time. Oh, I did this, I did this. No. So that's why you always couple your statements with Allah's follow. So you must always say this through Allah's follow first. And then whatever the need is, if you want to expose it for some reason, and so on. So this is, as I said, now, there is a nidham, a system that is based on cause and effect with fairness and with justice. Allah will not allow any injustice to be done anywhere in the cosmos, especially not on the Day of Judgment. But there's another nidham which is above the nidham of equity and um, equality and fairness and justice, and that is the nidham and system of Allah's fadl. Yeah. All your good deeds are part of Allah's fadl, not part of Allah's justice. Right? That's why here the word they use, for man Allahu alayna. See the word they use then, ayah number 26. Allah favored us. I mean, he didn't treat us with fairness. You know? More than that, Allah favored us. I mean, it's Allah's fadl. Like uh, the other ayah. Allah favored the believers when he sent a messenger from themselves. So that's Allah's fadl on the ummah that he sent the Nabi. It is not necessarily through the system of justice. It's more than justice. And that is what you rely upon. You hang on to Allah's rahmah, Allah's fadl. But you do the good deeds at the same time. Anyway, may Allah subhanahu wa give us from his fadl. May Allah subhanahu wa allow us not to commit any type of dhulm. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa allow us to enter Jannah. Through his father, بغير حساب أمين يا رب العالمين صلى الله تعالى على خير خلق محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا رحمة الله